Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, fantastic to be here as usual. How are you? Going very well. Not quite as well as how you've been going this week i'm uh, broadcasting from noosa at the moment i must say the weather's been well it's been a few scattered showers it's better than the two degrees that sort of victoria's been experiencing <laughs> early in the mornings of late but you got out earlier in the week you went out with our great mate paul worsling and the great man chris vasileski from gone fishing charters you were doing a bit of work uh, with the tuna champions and catching a few southern bluefin tuna off apollo bay so this is fascinating in itself because it's so close to Melbourne. Obviously, one of the big draw cards in Victorian fishing is, is Portland and the fishing um, clearly that they get at, at different stages. But it's a four-hour drive from, from metropolitan Melbourne, four hours plus. Apollo Bay, on the other hand, is is far closer, even though you're, you're spending a bit of time in the boat. Um Take a bit us, of time in the boat. Take us through your, your journey and um, the planning that went into your fishing earlier in the week because you caught some wonderful fish and there's been some really um, great fish being caught off Apollo Bay and right through that southern region of Victoria at the moment. Yeah, so Paul gave me a call uh, during last week and said basically he needs to uh, do the Tuna Champion stuff that you've spoken about. And what that includes is basically literally everything that is involved in looking after your bluefin tuna. So this is from capture to landing it on the deck yep. and then preserving the fish as best as humanly possible to preserve as much flesh as possible. And it's, it's essentially respecting the southern bluefin tuna for what they are and, and, and you know taking uh, what you're going to eat and no more than that, essentially. Yes, and you're spot on. And also to get the quality out of the meat that you want to. That's another big factor in it as well. Because uh, there's so many different parts of the, the southern bluefin tuna that you can actually eat. You can eat parts of its face. So if you put in the time and energy and effort... They reckon the cheekbone's can, the best part, Patrick, yeah, they say that. Yeah, but, it's quite extraordinary. And, and like you said before, it's a huge, huge effort uh, to do what to do it properly. This is going to... It's a little bit contradicting. As a fisherman, it's very hard to do things properly when you've got... Uh, 100 plus kilo fish jumping out of the water. Now, what I mean by that is we're filming, literally cameras are rolling and we've got to get the best shots to make this look presentable, like removing blood out of the way, doing a lot of things. But this comes down to actually doing the right things. And when we're on camera, it takes a fair bit of time to get, like the fish might jump the wrong way and you start again. Everything adds up. So we were off Apollo Bay, like you said, and we're a long way offshore and we had barrels literally everywhere. And we're just dropping in red baits and pilchard into the water, cubing for them. And that's how we were catching these fish. And the process starts from there. So cubing for the uninitiated and those that haven't done it before. Talk, talk us through exactly what it is. Yeah, so I've got a different mindset on it. A lot of people spend a lot of money and buy, say, for instance, 200 kilos of pilchards and they go out there and they literally <laughs> cube them. Now, in New South Wales... Meaning they chop up the pilchards and they throw cubes of it 
into the water. For even the yeah, fish so even whole fish, they just launch it over. And in New South Wales, when you're running that thousand meters of water, and we're starting to see some great bluefin show up in New South Wales at the moment, Pat. And as you're trawling along that shelf, you mark up fish or you hook up on the lures. These fish are migrating, so they're traveling, and they still need to eat while they're doing this. But what what often happens is you call all your mates in, and we've spoken about it on the show numerous times, and you throw heaps of cubes in to bring these fish, and they actually stay with the boat feeding. Now, what's happening here in Apollo Bay, we have had no drama whatsoever landing fish after fish without wasting 50 kilos of pilchards. Yep. So the, being in the, the, the red bait's on the top of the water. So my theory is get that pilchard into that bait or red whatever the bait is and let it sink through. You don't need to waste. We haven't... Well, we, we've had, I've done two or three days uh, throwing pillies and we've got fish literally pretty much every time we pull up, pull up onto that bait ball. So you don't need to waste it. But the process comes back to that tuna champions process that we spoke about is literally having the right gear to handle these fish. Now, people will say it's great to catch fish on light gear. If you, the problem with tuna is they're such a powerful fish, they heat up their core temperature so quick. So the longer you fight these fish, it's actually bad to release them if you're going to release them. It's the lactic acid that builds up. Yeah, lactic acid literally builds up through it and you want to get rid of that stuff. We'll go into that in a second. But then so it's the process of having the right gear to handle these fish. So 50 wides, for instance, 24 kilo, and we're running 20,000 stallers on some serious, he- seriously heavy rods as well. Yeah. Now, that's where the first process starts, not going out there with a knife to a gunfight. It's having the right gear to get the fish in, hopefully as quick as you can. I think that's the most enjoyable way um, to, to tackle a, a giant barrel versus being winched in by a Tiagra oh, 50 wide. I don't know. I'm going to argue that with you. I want to see you bent over on a Stella there. You'll get, <laughs> it's going to hurt you. It's a no, great it's, point. It's a great point. Oh, it is. No, in, all, in hindsight, honestly, oh, how much fun's that? We got it on spin gear. Until you three hours hurt. later. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Eddie, no, you are right. It is the And we got some 50 kilo fish, which were great fun to catch. But if we had got a hundred, we didn't get a hundred. But if we had got a hundred kilo... We wouldn't be saying, I would be yelling at you right now. <laughs> but no, you are spot on. But those 50s are hard to use. They're hard to flick your pilchards in. So that process starts there. I'm sorry, I dragged on a little bit. We'll get into the process. We land the fish. Now, those smaller fish, if you have a net, which is a quality net. So you want to have a net that doesn't have, uh, like, it, it's not rough. It's a soft fish-friendly net. Yes. So say, for instance, we're going to release the fish. You net it. It goes onto a yoga mat as such. And then you pop the hook out and you can throw it back. That's how to release them. The big girls that come in that you can't physically, um, if you're having fun and you already, you've already got one and you want to release it, just you, honestly, just cut it off at the hook and leave the hook in the fish. That's the best thing to do. Try not to put a gaff in its mouth and things like that, which you can if you want a photo because it doesn't affect the way they eat, but it's not a great thing. To, you wouldn't like a hole in your lip, would you? It's going to hurt, but you'll still eat. So back to the next step, as in ca- killing the fish, catching yep. and killing. Now, those small fish, say 20, up to 30 kilo, for instance, Pat, you're probably going to want to, you get anything bigger than 30, you don't want to net it. It's just too hard. You don't realize that, yes, they fit in the net, but they're so bloody heavy. They're heavy and they smash. So a gaff... They thrash and smash. They literally (laughs) smash. So we're, we're talking about kill shots here, Pat. So this is where the gaff comes into it. You want to gaff these fish, once again... Pull it onto that yoga mat. That yoga mat to that step it comes in. And the reason for that is when you do the next steps where the fish bangs, you don't want it hitting on the aluminium floor or whatever floor you've got in the boat. So that step there comes into putting on the yoga mat, and then all of a sudden 
the spike goes in, the Ikejima spike. I'm pretty sure it's called. Excuse my pronunciation if I'm wrong. And you can actually buy these tunes. You know what? I'll put it. I'll even talk about the kit a bit later on in Red's tip. We'll go through the actual everything in it and what it's used for a bit later. So that first one's the spike. And then when you actually spike the fish, it actually makes the fish go brain dead. So it actually kills the fish. But the heart is an involuntary muscle. So it actually still beats without the brain. And, and, and that's pretty... And it's the same thing with when I had my heart transplant. Uh, that's the same thing with organ yep. donation. The heart, the organs are still working, working. and the heart yep. still pumps, hence why I could receive my heart. And it's the same with the tuna. So the next step is bleeding the fish straight away. Don't take the gills and guts out of it too quick because you want that heart to pump that blood through that body. That's what you want to do. So you nick it with it comes in the, in, it comes in the kit. Then it comes down to a, a, a running a wire there's a little soft spot on the tuna's head. You can run your wire through, and that runs literally from the head of the fish to the tail, and it runs along the spine, and it kills all the, the nerves and whatnot, stops the fish from moving and relaxes all the muscles, yep. which makes the fish taste better once again. And then the uh, last step, you've obviously got the coring, the gilling, and whatnot. So you take a few incisions around the gills, and you can take the whole stomach content out of this fish, and then you can pack it with ice and cool it down. Now, I like to actually, and I've said this before on the show, People gut their fish instantly. I don't think that's a great thing because, like I said before, the heart's what actually pushes pushes the blood out. So somehow I like to run water through that fish to try and get the blood out as quick as possible. And we were on Chris Fasales. He's gone fishing big, big boat. He had a big kill tank, which is like a live bait tank. So we could put him in there to get the blood out of it. Yep. And then we're straight away, as soon as that blood's done, it's instantly straight into the ice as quick as you possibly can. And that there is pretty much the rough steps on being a tuna champion. And the reason it is because a few years ago, Pat, as you know, pretty much tuna were going to be done for. If this was, if stuff like this wasn't put into play, yep. as in you and I talking about it now, take what you need, look after it and everything. But one thing it is hard to do <laughs> is go out there and have barrels jumping everywhere and do this bloody process because it takes time. I will be to honest. To film it, you're talking Feel, about. Or even yeah. just to do the process, like you've got to get on the ground and bleed it and like it, it does take a fair bit of time so that there's the steps it is hard to do and then having a catch bag it is crucial to have a bag that fits the, uh, fits the fish size and mad fish gear do a, you're not going to have a you're not going to put a cool box on the boat let's be honest that because they're just too big have your food and drinks into well, it you could but it'd be three meters long it'd be, that's right it's too big <laughs> and that you could do it and if you're most people are in trailer boats it's, it's just it's bit, not practical it's not practical for what you're doing yeah, by all means, have your beer and your Jamison cold on the side there. But your fish, these mad fish bags are, are what I recommend, 100%. And it, and, and it literally hold, they don't hold ice anywhere near what a Dometic does, let's be honest. Not even close. Yep. But they by they far, do the job. they do the job for your two days that you're going to... And, and you want to relate a barrel and big fish, you want to actually leave it in the ice for up to, up to about 24, 24 hours to actually let everything in that fish relax and all the muscles in that ice cool actually do its thing inside so and that's how you get the quality out of that fish you're listening to real adventures this is a bit of a school holiday special because right around the country school holidays are upon us redmond for for those families looking to get out and and catch fish let's start with the big girls first would you be more inclined to say fish apollo bay which is I suppose the closest place where um, where anglers are getting regular catches of barrels versus Gippsland, where we're seeing some some incredible fish being caught, particularly um, swordfish, and we'll, we'll cover that a little later. 
or would you just bite the bullet, travel the four and a half hours, get to Portland where you know those school fish are in far closer and they're a lot easier to target versus the big kilometres that you're doing launching off Apollo Bay and a lot of the other southern regions that are that are a lot closer than um, than Portland to Melbourne. A lot of people want these big fish, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of school... What is actually strange is so many school fish actually amongst these barrels at Apollo Bay... But the problem, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, it, it's a friggin' heck of a long way out. It's 88. It is a long way out. You, like, you can go to I'm King so Island, it's closer, isn't it? It, it, it? It's literally pretty much exactly the same. Like, it, that's yeah. how far out you, you are going. It's a two and a half hour steam, especially... At ten, a good clip. Ten, well, a 10 knots wind is still out there. It feels like it's 40 because it's up and down. It's a long way out. Make sure you have the fuel range and whatnot. But Lake's Entrance, long way out for these swordfish. 100Ks at times, if not more. Yeah, yeah. These school tuna, yeah. It is, it is safer at the moment, though, because there are so many people that are fishing. Yeah, it is. So yep. there, are, there are boats there. And the oil rig's there. They've got the tenders there. Uh, if something were to go wrong, which I hope it doesn't for anyone, but if it does, to be honest with you, this school holidays, if you want to have a bit of fun with the kids, I would honestly be going straight to uh, Port Phillip Bay with a squid are going red hot. Western Port, Gwaine Blake. We're actually going to get him on the show today, Pat. He has had a tremendous week also on the uh, on the big squid out of uh, Western Port. He went down and caught some beautiful mulloway. I'm going to let him tell that story. But if you want to, you can do this land base, the Glenelg down at Nelson there and catch beautiful land base mulloway. You've also got the piers around Queenstown. I know St. Leonard's Pier on my side has been fishing very well land base with the calamari. Yes, you've got to go a little bit on dark, but just pop a jacket on. Like it's, it, it, you can always warm up. Take layers. You can always take layers off. But And you've also got the garfish moving in so many places. Frankston Piers, the garfish with the kids. Like As long as you're catching with kids, you're going to have fun. So you need to make sure that you, you, you head somewhere where you're going to catch stuff, and there are a few good places. As we move further up that eastern seaboard, Eden obviously fishing incredibly well, but sort of you can just... It's a cut, long, yeah. You can cut and paste that every... Um, you, <laughs> every you know, week. Every week, basically. But for those that can, and, and obviously it, it's been a challenging time for where COVID sit and the hotspots at different various sort of Sydney regions, but your best bet is still sort of heading heading south of Sydney with how well it is fishing. Even it's just a, it is once again to the similar story we're having here. They're, they're a long way out too, those bluefin yep. out of Eden and, and uh Jarvis Bay, uh, J B as we know call it. Uh but like there's so many options I know it's winter, but there's so many options. Like don't feel like it's winter you can't go fishing. Pick your times and I know it contradicts what I said before about being cold, but if you want to have just fun in the sun, pick your times in your weather and and go out just after the sun comes up by nine ten o'clock. It's it's like you're back to just a jumper. So obviously bear in mind that it might on a, on its day it might be a bit worse. But kids or kids like you said earlier, it's all about catching fish, Pat, yeah. having fun and doing it while they're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, rather than and school holidays is coming up like you said there, and it's going to be a really really good. Uh, hopefully, couple of weeks. This is real adventures. There'll be there'll be plenty more after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get to the social club, the 2022 Toyota Land Cruiser 300 Series, it's all but been revealed, Redmond. Now, on this show, we're clearly more than just fishing. We love our outdoors. But towing the boat is a critical component, um, as is towing the caravan. And in Australia, typically... 
there's nothing much generally until you move into your sort of F one fifties and your Dodges that tow above three and a half tons. And I just want to know from your opinion, do you think it is a missed opportunity that the new three hundred series Land Cruiser um, its towing capacity will remain at three and a half tons, even though it's downsized to the V six engine, so there's not the V eight now. It still tows three and a half tons, but is that a missed opportunity where we are continuing to look for cars that will tow our maxi trailerable boats? There's, I've got a few mates who, a lot of mates to be honest with, you, that own these cars and make a lot more money than myself, but they um. They actually have modifications to their car to actually allow them to tow up to four ton. And surely if there's modifications they can put in play to get their rating up to four ton, surely Toyota have done should have done that. Well what, in my opinion. Well what isn't known at the moment is whether the new chassis chassis uh, are compatible with the aftermarket upgrade kits. Ah, right. Um, that can increase the towing capacity to four and a half ton. Sorry, I just so, took that out of your words. I didn't actually read the notes then. <laughs> so so at the moment, it, it, it sits at three and a half. But we're after more now. You know, should, I, why, why isn't that built into that? Well, list? I think we want to roll off. Absolutely. I think we want to roll off the showroom floor with the ability to tow four and a half tons. Especially for 180 grand or whatever they're worth. And, and not be rolling it. Yeah, not have to go to a Dodge or to a Ford 150 or... Um, the new Ford Lightning, if, if it comes to the Australian shores, we've seen Rivian, which is one of the new EV manufacturers. Um, they're testing in New Zealand at the moment, so they're not far off production. Whether we're going to see them in Australia is yet to be seen. And unfortunately, we miss out on so many so many of these incredible vehicles. But just that ability to tow four and a half tonnes, which then, you know... What they, they would have had the market covered. Well, like as in it was like to get another car to do that. Well, they've got the Do- new car come out. Dodge has been has had such an incredible um, run. Uh, sorry, Ram um, has su- had such an incredible run in Australia because we just don't have too many offerings of you know four and a half or mm, you know four on. ton offerings without it having to upgrade aftermarket. So an interesting move. It'll be interesting to see as more detail filters out because are- it is. One of the iconic Australian they're, and they're they're a beautiful car. I was Phenomenal. In, I was in Paul's car up in uh, Apollo Bay during the week, and we got in to go head up to the pub for dinner. And it, they are literally spacious. They're, they're a phenomenal car. So I'm I'm shocked that they haven't had that built in. And when you've just said there <laughs> about not having yet not being compatible to the upgrade kits that we that people use, that's a little bit annoying. Well, we hope that they hope will that be, they so do we'll if they're not. Yeah. Remains to be seen. Let's get to the social club where we take your questions from social media if you've got a question for Aaron or I make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures socials pages on Instagram and Facebook or better yet download our Real Adventures app which is free to download Um, there's great stuff on there whether it's rigs whether it's uh, recipes you name it Uh, it's all on our app as well as uh, the podcasts that, that get sent out every week as well. Uh, let's get to the first question, which is from Tom. When taking baits out for cubing barrels, is it worth taking a range of different species for baits? Aaron, what did you use over the weekend? So it is actually important to take the range, but it's more important to match what it's on as much as possible. So what I mean by that is there's no point pulling up on a thing of red bait and throwing in sourries that are double the size or three times the size. Pillies will work most of the time because that's going to be the most common thing to get, but they're 
Pillies are one of those things that everything eats. Like, they just do. Yep. Where a big soury, you don't know if the barrel might be funny on that. Where So pilchards would be my number one. Having everything will be important, but souries don't school up as such, Pat. They're more of... Like, when the barrels are on souries, you actually see them skipping out of the top of the water and whatnot. Yep. So they're chasing, and that's where your lures come in. And, and those fish I got a few weeks ago, we had souries jumping out of the water, and they were quite hard to keep up with the barrels. They were so widespread that it actually it was hard to chase them down. Yep. So I don't know about the soury side of it and whatnot, but 100%, take maybe a couple of dead yakas out or, or a pack of dead yakas if you've caught some recently and had them for a gummy trip ready to go. But yeah, definitely be working those. Uh, I'd definitely be working the baits with whatever you can get and scoop it up with a net if you really want to. Uh, next question is from Gav for you, Patrick. I've seen your Instagram. You're in Noosa, Patrick. Are you going to sneak out into one of the estuaries for a bit of a fish? Uh, it's been tough. We actually took out one of the pontoon boats up through that Noosa uh, estuary system yesterday. The weather hasn't been super kind to us, um, so we haven't really had the opportunity. It's actually a great place to fish Noosa. I've been here um, you know, quite a few times, and generally it's been with the family because it's sort of one of those family destinations, Redmond. Um, but if you've got the time to fish it, there's some wonderful spots to go fishing. But on this occasion, we haven't haven't quite uh, had the ability to do that with obviously Footy Thursday night, and then um, because we've got a little bit of a, a slightly longer turnaround into Essendon, um, we've got a bit of time. So um, not this time, uh, Gav. Uh, the next one is from Darren Stockdale, and I forgot to mention off the top of the Social Club Redmond. Every week we're giving away a real brand hat, a real brand fishing top for our social club for the best question. And Darren, you are the winner this week. Hello, Pat and Aaron. My name is Darren. I'm starting to get into soft plastics and hard body lure fishing for trout and brim. Um, what is your recommendation for the most important lure? Uh, and what would you recommend? Thanks, boys. Yeah, so basically there's so many different uh, methods out there, but you need to use them correctly is probably the more important thing, Pat. And you'll probably found this using different methods in the Otways for your trout and whatnot. You've got your salters that you cast in there, and you've actually got to move them quite quick. But if you get a little bib lure, you can actually just little flicks to get the bib down and let it pause and let them float. Barrel, oh, sorry, school tuner out the front of Barlin Heads where we got a lot of them uh, over the past, say, two years, for instance, when the, when the season's right and the water's right, sometimes the, the tuna, I'll cast the plastic out and I'll let it sink. Let it sink. And then it's a little flick up. And then yeah. you'll get them like that. Then other days you cast it and they actually want you to move it. Then also you've got uh, so many different methods for brim too. I know, I think Dan Mackerel, who's a regular in the show, he's a tournament fisherman, brim fisherman. His method is for brim. If you think you're going slow, go slower. Well, so it's that barren it's method, just, isn't that, it? It's literally, yep. and he's using big lures. So, you need to work out what you're chasing. A lot of lures that you buy these days have so many recommendations on the back of the actual packet that will tell you a lot of the information about it. And I think, and a lot of them, I forget the name of. It's not a code, but you know when you put your camera up to it and then it shows you a video of it. I'm not sure. Oh, really? You know how you do a Q? Oh, it's a QR code. Yeah, we're we're pretty familiar with we, those. We do. <laughs> we do that every day of our life. Now. Sorry, they have a QR code, and a lot of it links sometimes to sort of YouTube. Uh, tutorials and those sorts of things on on how to retrieve your 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 lures. So it's it's worth spending a bit of time in. And that being said, most you know reputable tackle 
uh, distributors, um, they've got guys that genuinely fish um, when they sort of operate out of their sort of fishing departments. Melbourne Marine's a, a great example. Jamie that works in their fishing department, he fishes every... And it's Lee Rayner's yeah. there now. He's another fantastic yep. fisher. You know, they fish every every weekend and in the afternoons when they can, when uh, when Andrew allows them to. <laughs> so, you know, they're spending plenty of time in the water. So, ask the experts that are in there, and you can you can gauge pretty quickly with your with your bullshit meter on you know whether they're giving you good advice or or, or not. Um, to wrap up, Harry, uh, I'm fishing over the school holidays with the kids. What's the best coloured squig? jig to use Not missed sure the key what. word land based he said land based, fishing sorry. land based around melbourne what now what you're got to do is you can't just say what is the best jig you need to actually suss out where you're fishing if you're driving home from work one night pull into the pier and have a bit of a look like what what's going on on the bottom is the tidal movement there what whatever it is now just an example uh we'll go queenscliff we'll call it the queenscliff squid pier as it's known lots and lots of people chase squid there Problem is tide pulls through there, yep. so you can't just go there and expect to rock up with a two and a half jig and expect it to work. You and, need to and, have a range. And how do you find out the the weight size? Say if yep. you, you've had it in your tackle box for a while yep. and you and you can't quite remember because it was on the packaging, but you can't see it now. The slower it sinks, the more squid you're going to catch. But as long as it's not floating, yep. so drop it in the water and let it sink. Let it sink down to have a good look at it. Now, a place like, for instance, Queenscliff Harbour, fantastic place to walk around there, catching squid amongst some beautiful boats, get ink on them, and they, uh, they, <laughs> they, 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 you want to use that two to two point five zero tide, only a couple of meters deep. If you rocked up with a three and a half, it's not going to work. If you're fishing out wide, say for instance, off Mornington Pier for squid, it's quite deep at certain parts of that uh, that jetty. You've yep. also got the Portsy Portsy Pier, which is one of the iconic squid. Big squid fishery in uh, in Victoria, land based. You're gonna struggle just rocking up with one jig. What I would do is I wouldn't be worried about your colours too much. Buy three jigs, one in two point five, one in three, one in three point five, and also another method if you are a little bit stuck is running a floater on pat to get them out into that tide a bit more. If you run a float and actually have the squid jig sitting under it, the only drama with that is. I find it's better to use a baited jig for that method. Yep. But the only drama with that is you're actually not working the squid jig like you should be. It's a bit of a lazy fishing way, but it does work. So that's so many different options that you can use to catch yourself some squid. Nice work, Redmond. That wraps up the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures socials or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Congratulations, Darren. Send us a direct message, mate. You get yourself a real brand hat and a real brand fishing top. Just throw me pen across the desk. Plenty more Real Adventures to come after the break. Gearing up for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Our guest, special guest rather, this morning is Gwaine Blake, Australian pro angler for Frogley's Offshore, Mako Sunnies, Stabycraft, Garmin, you name it. But we know him as our salt guide uh, to us. My partner in crime. To yourself. Good morning, Gwaino. Morning, guys. How are you? Oh, we're not too bad. And you've been doing a little bit of what I've been doing, gallivanting around the country, which is always oh, stateside, we should say. You've been doing a fair bit of travelling and catching some bloody good fish, Gwaino. Take us through these Mulloway. 
Okay, so um, I was literally sitting at home waiting for um, you know, Metro Melbourne to get unlocked, but as soon as it, we were unlocked, I just shot straight down to Nelson and um, yeah, fished the Glenelg River. So basically, it's a river system that's nearly 390 kilometres long. Um, most of it, only you're only allowed to do eight knots in, apart from a few ski areas where you can go wide open throttle and just basically going up the system I'm using my side view with a Garmin and basically looking for temperature breaks on the sounder or bait and once I find bait I can pick that up quite easily you know eight knots so what's what's the theory find... behind the temperature break Gwen what, what you know so why are you looking for areas, there's going to be areas where there's going to be a lot of Fresh water pushing down, and that fresh water is going to be quite cold, you know, because it's come off the land, it's fallen out of the sky, that sort of stuff. And that that colder temperature is going to push the, the bait down, and you'll find that the bait will sit on the temperature break. It might only be like 0.5 of a degree, but that's enough to you know take notice of, slow up, and then start sounding. And then once I find the bait, I'll then start looking for the fish that would eat the bait and then you know mull away from there so I might not be sounding too many mull away I might be sounding estuary perch um, and brim but then with my live scope I can go over the top of them again with live scope and you can actually distinguish the shape of the fish in amongst those schools so you can see the more humped back of a brim versus the longer elongated shape of a mull away by doing that, once I find that, then I know that you know, they're in a feeding area, there's a lot of fish together, and the, the mulloway will either be picking off an injured or a small brim, or just eating the, the same bait that they're, they're eating together and fishing them. So you've posted some yeah. incredible shots of, of the mulloway that you've caught. Can we take a step back and, and talk to us about the Glenelg River, how far it is uh, from Metro Melbourne, obviously, we're in school holidays now for, for most Victorians. Um, it's a beautiful part of the country, albeit uh, cold this time of the year. It's still pretty damn special. It is very special. Um, it's only a very small town. I think they only have about 190 people. Um, pretty friendly. They've got the pub, the bar and bistro. They've got the nice little tackle shop there. Um, both the tackle shop and the local servo do nice bacon and egg toasties, so that's worth going for. Aaron, important. Um, I was more worried about the pub was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm looking, talking about the kids as well here, Red. Um, so, yeah, you've got the river mouth itself, which is slightly open. It's, it's not, you know, somebody going in and out of the boat. It's, it's got enough movement that you get rim and um, salmon and stuff out of the mouth. And then the, the river system itself is just a massive big um, limestone river system. So there's big limestone cliffs all along it. You get a few reefs inside the river. Most of it's around about five to eight metres deep. There's a few eight metre holes, a lot of five metre areas. Um, and it's very long and winding. So you start in Victoria and as you get up the river system, there's a big sweeping bend and there's two kilometres of it in, in South Australia. And then you back into Victoria again as you keep going further up. 
It's one of the great places, Redmond, if you've got the time to spend um, doing a little bit of research and then sort of travelling down there. It it is a bit out of the way, but it's you spent time there. It's a it's an incredible part of the country. The river's beautiful. Like it's spectacular to look at as well. Like it's really really, yeah, really nice it's drive. Scenic, scenery. It's beautiful, and probably the other thing to point out is you can basically fish it in any weather. Um, doesn't matter what, what way the wind's going or how strong it's blowing. By you moving around the corner, you could have it's a southerly wind and it's not nice. You go around a corner and next thing you know, it's a northerly wind that's blowing over the top, you know, top of the boat, and everything's working again. So it's an area you can go down, and, and it's not far from Portland. It's another you know, hour out of your way from Portland. But when you've made that effort all the way to go all the way to Portland, um, and you might spend a day offshore and get smashed a bit, and you'd be too tired to go back out and chase the tuna again. Just an hour's drive back up, you know, down the coast a bit further, and you can fish in the river system and have a nice, relaxing day. It's not a hard, hard on your body system. It's just a really nice you know, experience being down there. Gwen, you've obviously fished out of your 1850 Fisher, your Staby craft. Um, yeah, that's a you know, it's it's got the balance where you can obviously fish offshore, but you can fish fish inland and you fish your, your river systems. What size boat would you recommend to fish through the Glenelg River? Because when most people think of river, they think of something smaller. But the, Gl- the Glenelg is slightly different. That you can take some pretty big boats in there. Yeah, so it's, it's, um, you can get a nine metre boat up the Glenelg. So the boat ramps are fine. There's no um, the bridge is tall enough that you can get any boat under it. There's a couple of you know the old sort of paddle steamer style boats up there, and big houseboats like people. Tied up to their dock, so there's plenty of room. Um, but basically, if you've got a four meter tinny or three, three and a half meter tinny up to a nine meter boat, it's, it's fine for that. Um, obviously, the bigger boats probably more expensive. You don't want to dock them around too much, so you've just got to be aware of coming up towards edges and corners. There might be rock bars and stuff like that, but you stick to the middle of the river. Um, there's plenty of water in it. We're fast approaching school holidays, Gwaine. Uh, no, we're in them, mate. We're in them. Oh, we're in them? We're in them. Well, kids won. I don't know that stuff. <laughs> Sorry. We're in school holidays, Gwaine. And uh, we, um, we've we spoke a bit off the top of the show about your squid and your whiting and your, your species of fish and keep the kids active. And you've been having a really, really, really successful time landing some beautiful calamari through Western Port. Take us through uh, what's going, what your methods are going to to getting those squid. Okay, so... Yeah, school holidays are here. This is something we've had, actually spoke about with Salt Guide. We wanted to actively target as many different species as we could coming out of lockdown and coming into school holidays to just give everyone options. So um, the squid at the moment, they start to come into the port and there's these large breeding squid. So if you actively target the main areas of the port, you will get two or three. But what we've done with Sulkide was instead of waiting for the squid to come into us, we've gone out and chased them. So we've sort of created our own fishery in the last couple of years. We're actively targeting these big southern calamari in waters of anywhere from 20 metres right to 50 metres deep. And we're catching you know, calamari 4.8 kilos, 60 centimetre hoods that are you know, nearly um, sort of 2 centimetres thick. So really big squid. 
Um, the other thing that we've been doing is scarves. So right through the eastern side of Port Phillip Bay from, from Morty Alex right down to um, Rosebud. There's been plenty of good scarfish. You're allowed 40 per person. They're big enough to eat, plus you get your bait. So they've been really good. There's been a few salmon around too. And just as the temperature started to drop off in the last couple of weeks in Westport, I've started to push more over to Port Phillip. And we've got that warmer water in Port Phillip from sort of Sorrento down through to um, Port Phillip Heads and then back up to St. Leonard's. That warm pocket of water is around about 13 and a half degrees. Plenty of whiting there, so we've been fishing for whiting too. And then obviously you're doing your barrel thing too and chasing tuna offshore. So we're trying to cover all the bases from salt guard with that. Um, it's been really successful. We had a lot of sign-ups for this time of year too, which is fantastic for us. Gwaine, beautiful work as always. Gwaine Blake, one of our salt guide anglers and a regular on Real Adventures. Thanks for joining us this morning, Gwaine. We'll throw in there. He's a, he's a guide too. Give him a call if you want a guide. He, he gets on your boat and he'll take you through and uh, he'll take you through everything you need to know. So head to his uh, Instagram and Facebook. Give Gwaine a message on Gwaine Blake Professional and uh, he'll get back to you with a few dates he's got available. Thanks, G-Man. Thanks, guys. That was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. And now it's time for Red's review for Club Marine Redmond. What are we talking about this week? What are we reviewing? We're going to review what we spoke about at the start of the show. I said it was going to be the tip, but I thought it was actually important and worthy of a review. Now, you've changed mid-show. That's fine. Okay. I've seen your coach do some funny things too on the football field. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, So if you want to look after these tuna, you need to do it properly. Now, there's no point going out there without the right tools and making life hard. Having all the tools in your hand, ready to go, it makes life so much more convenient. So what we're reviewing this week is your tuna toolkit. It's everything you need to do the right things. Now, if you've just joined into the show and wondering what we're talking about, at the start of this show, we covered basically how to look after bluefin by spiking them and everything basically this kit has. Now, if you do want to listen to any of our shows, make sure you download our Real Adventures uh, app. I had podcasts on there. You can listen to all that, recipes and a few other bits and pieces, Pat. But this product here is, if you chase bluefin, which nearly every single person these days do, Pat, from the Portville Bay Heads, New South Wales coast, into WA, South Australia, you name it, the bluefin are literally coming back in such good numbers. Let's look after our fishery. Buy one of these kits, as they're called. It comes with your spike. It comes with your wire. comes with your kniffy, which cuts the side of the fish. Knife there for those that are playing at home. And basically, it all comes together, and it's around $160. And now, the reason I say you could probably make half the stuff yourself a quarter of the price, but this stuff, I, w- I used it during the week properly for the first time. This stuff works. Yep. It, it just works. The co- Running the, the actual wire down the spine of the fish, it's perfect size. So it, it, it all works. 160 bucks. You can get them on Walesy's Tackle, any probably any good tackle store. I know Paul Worsing sells them at his Tackle World in Mornington and Cranbourne. So make sure you do get one of these and keep them in the cabin of your boat for when you do come across that bluefin, whether it's a 5-kilo one or a 155-kilo one. That's Red's Review. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's well, we're in the last quarter, Red. Mate. I want we're you to get a new, time I want on. you to get a new line for me next week instead of Welcome back to Real Adventures. What What have you got? Got anything else for me? Well, I'm welcoming everyone back to Real Adventures. 
Fair point. They've been there, <laughs> they've been in an ad. Now they're back. We've got bit, bit a few minutes bit left repetitive. to go of the show. A bit repetitive. And we need something good from you. Uh, now we're approaching uh, school holidays. Your tip for the week centres around those getting ready to travel. And we've all been there before. You get to your uh, wherever it might be. You carry you, you more often than than others. <laughs> that, that, that's fair. You don't want to rock up at Port Ferry, and then all of a sudden none of your electronics work. You are spot on, and we have. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of people pack their boats away before that little COVID circuit breaker, we'll call it, and for the winter as they do. But then they get that rage to get back out on the water. They want to get out now. We've all come out of lockdown. It's fantastic that we're all allowed to be back on the water. Make sure you do the right things. Engine's been serviced. Make sure you've got your fuel to get to wherever you're going. And I say that because the swordsfish are going mental at Lakes Entrance. The Apollo Bay tuna are going fantastic. And people are launching at Werribee, coming down to catch wine at St. Leonard's. Make sure everything's ready to go. But number one, your batteries. Your batteries are a killer. You can get little jump packs that are fantastic to sit in your boat that will, will give you that jump you need to get yourself out of trouble. But just put a trickle charge on them before you go or where even take it to the destination you're going and run it overnight to get that battery up and going. So Red's tip this week is just if you are heading away for the weekend or for the school holidays, take everything you need to get yourself out of trouble and also charge those batteries because, like you said, Pat, there's nothing worse than rocking up to rocking up to uh, the boat ramp and only my key does this Beep, for a long time until you know it's dead. Well, there might be something that is worth and worse rather. And the uh, flying gaff this week goes up north, up to the NT, and ABC Darwin posted this during the week. But a fella by the name of Steve, who slept in his boat at uh, Arnhem Bay on the weekend, uh, he's just reminded everyone why you can never be too complacent around crocodiles, uh, particularly up north. His six-metre boat um, with a 200-horsepower yummy on the back was munched on by a giant croc. And we saw the photos (laughs) during the week and we're having a bit of a chuckle about it. But that croc has gotten... It's gotten out of the water at a, a pretty it's decent high, distance. How, where is it on the engine? It's up quite high, isn't it? It's above the um, it's above the riding of the two hundred. It's two hundred <laughs> horsepower. So that crops three quarters of the way up the actual head of the engine. <laughs> it has done some serious damage. So Steve, this week um, he said he wasn't keep. He said he didn't put any sort of leave any bait on the bait board. The giant crocodile marks. He was the bait. (laughs) (laughs) Might be, uh, might be, uh, sort of lending a different story. Anyway, thanks for your company this morning on Real Adventures. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll see you on the water soon, Redmond. Go on fishing. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.